Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Gilded Lily. If you're new to the show, we are an improvisational and collaborative storytelling podcast that's focused on telling fun, character-driven stories. Now, what does that mean? Well, we sit down here at our desks, pick up a quill, and pretend to be someone we're not, using these uh, funny-shaped rocks with numbers on them. We're here to weave a tale for you to enjoy, second by second, line by line. This one here is about a few college roommates who abandon higher education and accidentally become pirates. Well, hopefully the good kind. Our story is being told with a game system you may or may not be familiar with, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. We loosely rely on this system to tell our own stories independent of the lore and problematic content that often comes with these Dungeons & Dragons as you pull them out of the box. In short, it just means that we use dice to decide what happens next to our funny little characters. What adventures will our rascals get into this week? Well, let's roll some dice and find out. Together. Tonight, our tale begins aboard the gently rocking decks of a gilded lily, anchored just above the wreckage of the Valiant. Members of this esteemed ship are engaged in all manner of work. Neil, with his muscles glistening in the afternoon sun, cranks the winch for the salvage crane, crafted by Ioana's hand. Seated on the edge of the rail, overlooking the water, Susanna plucks a familiar tune on her lute to give the crew some inspiration during their treasure hunt in the waters below. And finally, Kothak stands at attention, eyes scanning the horizon for any dangers that may catch them at this point of weakness and vulnerability. Meanwhile, below decks, the bustle of the crew above is a faint murmur, and the errant notes of Susanna's song slip between the cracks and crevices of the ship dancing in a muffled, discordant melody that barely reaches our ears in this dark, damp place. Our view settles on Semozira, the half-orc onomancer, who has chosen to remain in her quarters rather than take part in the glorious treasure hunt beyond. I wonder what magic awaits her discovery. Let's find out, shall we? Zira. What would you like to do, and when would you like to do it? We're on the ship. That is correct. I mean, in my spare time, I'm probably just reading my books. That's all I do in my spare time. Okay. And eating snacks. So maybe we cut a scene in. Where do you study in your room? Do you study anywhere on the ship? Mm, nowhere in particular. You know, whenever I have downtime. So in the mess hall or in my room or while I'm walking, anytime. Okay, so where would you like to have this scene then? Let's go to my room, my newly renovated room. The back wall is patched up with boards that are new. Others are old and clearly have been chopped off a little earlier than they should have been. You're sitting on your bed, comfortable in the corner, surrounded by all of your tomes. 
Is there anything in particular? You're just looking through your tomes? I mean, paint the scene for me. Describe the place, maybe. I'm probably in one of the corners in the room, mm -hmm. and like I can't even see the exits because there's just piles of books everywhere. The ones that didn't get destroyed. And I probably have a few of them open. Nothing in particular, just... Hey, I remember this at one point. Let me let me open these two books, you know, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Not really looking for anything in particular, but looking for everything. Yeah. Okay. So with you, these couple of tomes open, maybe one of them is the Onomancy book that you took from the school. That's always out. That's always up. Okay. What do you do with the tome? Now we can just settle this with a skill check and I can tell you some things or you can tell me what Zero is doing. Mm. Let's do a skill check. Let's see how good I am. Okay. Yeah, so roll me an arcana check, I think. Arcana? Yeah. I got a nine. Nine. Okay, so flipping through this tome, again, you've been in this situation before, and there's kind of a mental block. You're flipping through page to page, and you land on one, like a, a chapter heading called Resonance, which is something you, you've seen referenced in the notes, but you've never really understood what it is or what it meant. And you flip past the chapter heading. And the next page says object resonance. And it starts off as like a list of different notes. The first says objects that are true and bound to their nature are stronger than others. Connections tenuous to forge. Deep time and study is required. And these notes are very well organized and clearly the work of a studied and practiced mind. Mm -hmm. And you see right below that, there is a handful of, they look like technical schematics, which you have seen in some of the books you've read about. Actually, let's have you paint this. Where mm -hmm. has Zero read about constructs before? Like constructs are high fantasy robots, basically. They're run on gears and magical power sources and sometimes steam, depending on what it is. I'm pretty sure I sat in on a class about that when I was at the university. Okay, cool. Was it something that caught Zero's attention or was it just like, oh, this is kind of fun. I'll see what it's like. It seemed kind of fun. Not necessarily my cup of tea, but I mean, all information is good information, so. Okay, so with that in mind, you see in the bottom of this page some schematics and you recognize them as schematics specifically because you sat in on that class. But at the bottom, there are illustrations of everyday mundane objects, a tankard with ale bubbling over the top, a quill and ink, and other mundane household things. But each one, there are schematics for little legs and little arms. If it were our world, it'd be like a Beauty and the Beast kind of thing, where these things are alive. Surrounding all these little schematics, it says, a connection forged brings life and purpose. Do you keep going? What do you do? Yeah, definitely keep going. Do so you flip the page over and you find a, it looks like a technical schematic with your not so great arcana check. You can kind of tell that unlike the class you sat on, which was very much scientific and engineering, this is magic. This is kind of a schematic for something arcane, like someone has bridged the gap between two schools of thought. At the center of it, you see a tankard with again, the illustrations of the little arms and legs. This whole piece of magic is illustrated like a machine, and it's laid out in a pattern that doesn't quite make sense to you. If you'd like to roll to maybe figure it out. Uh, roll? Yeah, if you'd like. What do you do? Yeah, what do I roll? 
This could be a handful of things. It could just be straight intelligence to see if you can figure out how to build something like this. It could be arcana to see if you could figure out how to do it with magic. Uh, yeah, I'll go straight intelligence just to see if I can okay. work it out. Hold on. 18. Wow, okay, so that's, we're just gonna, actually, I don't even think you're proficient in those. You should have clicked on the big score, but you rolled a 15, which you can tell one thing. What's the highest level spell you can cast right now? Level three. So looking over this, that spell is a little bit out of your reach. As far as you can tell, it seems like they're somehow using something to establish a connection with an object and bring it to life, make its purpose part of its life. And flipping through the notes further and further, the next page is almost like a blueprint on how to find an object's purpose. Okay. And there are a few things it says it needs. You need an object, the object in question. You need a piece, a material that was used or common in the object's making, and a piece from the environment in which the object held its purpose. For example, in the notes it specifies, if you were to cast this spell on a doorknob, you would need a piece of the door, a piece of wood, or an object from the room and a piece of wood to forge and establish a connection with this thing. With your current arcana, you could attempt it if you'd like. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, what would you like to try to cast this spell on? Mm, can I cast it on a book? Sure, yeah. Any particular book? What's the title? Can be anything you want. This book that I want, it's sitting at the edge of my foot there. It is Magic for Dummies or something like that. <laughs> okay. Not that I need it. I just picked it up, you know? <laughs> I'm not dumb. <laughs> Looking over this technical schematic, this will cost a second level spell slot. Okay. And roll me an ability check using your spellcasting modifier, which should be intelligence. 14. Plus two. 16. That's more than enough. You put down the object on the floor in front of you and begin to weave power through the air in the same kind of mechanical rhythm and shape that you see in the diagram in front of you. And you notice that as you're weaving power, every time you complete one of the circles that line up with the gears, you feel a thrum of power and you watch the dust on the floor ripple in a strange pattern. And every time you continue tracing power through the air, ripples of power are creating like new patterns of dust. And by the time you finish the final circle with the book in the middle, you notice that the texture of the page you're looking at, which you originally thought was part of the paper, just kind of the natural texture of it. Looking at the paper and looking at the spell you wove, it imprinted the exact pattern, the exact texture you see on the page in front of you in the ground, in the dust that has settled on the floor. What do you do with the book in the center? You've laid out an array of power. How do you interact with it? Wait, is it around the book or I have the book in my hand? The book is in the center on the floor. It can be in your hand if you'd like, if you reach down and pick it up, be that easy. If the book is in my hand and the power circle thingy is on the floor, mm -hmm. can I just toss the book in? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's do that. As the book hits the center of the circle and this array of power, now this spell takes a whole minute to cast, which is why you had to carefully lay everything out. But as the book impacts with the center of the circle, the dust lifts up into the air in a, a flat plane where you can see the pattern arrayed above you and it's hovering. And in that moment, you can hear the sound of pages turning. 
you can hear the quiet, muffled atmosphere of a library. And in that moment, you feel a connection between you and the book, and it's dizzying. You feel like your purpose is to hold knowledge, to communicate, to pass it on. You may ask three questions of this object. What are they? I can ask three questions. I guess this is a new book that I opened. What can you tell me about Onomancy? You know, do you have a section in that in your book? You are hit immediately with a mental image of this book sitting on a bookshelf. Time is passing by in a blur and not a single person has picked up the book. The answer is no. Hmm. Okay. All the books that are around me, what what is the best one for Onomancy knowledge? Not including this one. And I show one the uh, my main book. Any particular direction I should be looking in? You, you have a mental image of this book splayed out on a table, and the pages are flipping ahead of you, and they are all blank. The answer is unknown. To the extent of this book's knowledge, it can't give you that information, because it doesn't know it. It's not part of its history. Okay. So it seems like it doesn't know that much about ornamenti. It seems like it doesn't know anything about ornamenti at the moment. One more question. Is there a way to strengthen my current spells? How do I do that? Ooh. So here's a pitfall you've just encountered. That question was very vague. Mm. This is a book called Magic for Dummies. You see an image of a person sitting by a fire holding this book, and they look like a young mage, and they're flipping through it page to page and taking notes and studying over hours of time. Practice. It should be a yes or no answer, but that's just vague enough. Okay. And then as this happens, you open your eyes and you smell. It's the scent of old books in the air and that pattern of dust just settles down onto the ground and disperses like normal. And the spell is complete. This spell is called Object Resonance. It takes a minute to cast, you pick an object, and as long as you have the necessary things associated with where it existed and what its purpose is, you can ask three questions about its history. Who has owned it? where it's been, what its purpose was. Mm. You get hit with vague images and impressions that will give you an answer if the object is capable. And that was your first true onomancy spell. I should have did it on my but I thought it was gonna like <laughs> backfire on me and I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna damage Man, it. Man, if you had done it to your book, that would have been a very different encounter. Oh my God. What do you do? Yeah, that's not at all what I was expecting to happen. I thought it was gonna be like, the actual book was basically gonna come alive and I use it as like a little study buddy, you know? Like, that's why I chose the, mm -hmm. the Magic for Dummies because I thought it had the broadest amount of knowledge, you know? With this, with your thinking that, right? You look back and kind of flip back to the previous page with the schematic. And because you have the lingering sense of the spell in your head, looking at the schematic, you can see where there's a tankard in the middle. There are arrangements of power that someone has weaved through this that have to do with revelry and joy and a little bit of recklessness, which now you understand are all components of what gives a tankard its meaning in human language. Mm -hmm. And looking at the book, you're still hit with those memories of learning, study, patience, time, and like all of the attributes that you would attached to a book and reading and learning. You may be able to cast that spell eventually. And now you know that in order to do so, 
you need to understand an object's true purpose to bring it alive using that purpose. Okay. And I think we should fade away from here, if that's okay with you. Unless there's anything else you want to do right now to, to tie this up in a bow. No, no, it's, it's a good point to fade off. Hey there, everyone. As you know, we have a lot of ways for you to support the show. Twitter, Facebook, etc. You know, the good places to get the latest updates on what we're doing, when things are coming out, and how you can, you know, pitch in. You may notice this week my voice is a little more echoey than usual. I'm in a new room and we're in the process of some house projects, so getting this space recording ready is going to take a little bit. But with that being said, you can thank all of our great audio quality to our editor, Nikki, who's responsible for the cast edits for the show. So follow her as well at Beholder to No One on Twitter. She's the DM, producer, and all-around powerhouse behind the talk show, Beholder to No One. And, you know, all their amazing actual plays. Ioana is played by Carolina, or at PowerWordFU on Twitter, who creates wonderfully fun content on DMs Guild and occasionally does fantasy cartography. If you'd, like to support the, if you'd like to support the production of the show, we also have artwork and merch on Redbubble for sale. You can find that on our website in the top right of our banner. No cross-promotions today, but, you know, if you know of a show that is small and could use a boost, well, reach out to us and let them know how we can help. Let's get back to the show, shall we? Before I have a scene in mind um, to set the stage, you have already gathered up on the ship as a storm is looming in the distance. The flail snail was battered off for some time, but Ioana ran out of money. Um, so it ate up its little <laughs> golden breadcrumb trail. I still have like a few coins, but it ate most of them. Yes, Ioana swam along the bottom of the ocean floor, dropping coins like breadcrumbs for the snail to eat. At this point, you have kind of gathered up on the ship. All of the goods have been pulled up. All the divers have been retrieved and everyone is kind of packing up to go. They're raising anchor. A handful of crew members are unfurling the sails as Kothak is approaching the wheel of the ship. Is there anything you all would like to do right now? So Ioana and Riley, we can set the scene with you two on the deck of the ship. The dive has just finished. Off in the distance, you can hear the, the quiet rumble of thunder with kind of a bleak, dark horizon. Not sure exactly how far off the storm is, but you can see it. You can kind of feel it in the air. The air feels moist and a little bit more humid than it was when this dive first started. I think I was like carrying Riley and looking for somebody to heal him because he is badly, badly wounded and almost crushed to bits. My eyes twitching. I I, I don't (laughs) feel so good. Can somebody help him, please? I don't know any healing magic and I don't have any potions. Please? So, with this exclamation pretty quickly, Gaspard Bodwin, the half-elf, kind of surgeon that works on the ship, makes his way over to you. Oh, yes, what is... Oh, oh my gods. He is very badly wounded. Something tried to eat him, I think. I'm, I'm poking the little suction cup marks on my arm. It I'm hurts. just, like, poking them right now. Ow, ow. Oh, hi, Doc. After a couple pokes, you take a point of damage. No, oh. no. Do you have more than one hit point? I have 15. Okay, that'd be funny. Uh, <laughs> ow, ow, ow. <laughs> it's, one of the, it's one of those things that's like, oh, that kind of hurts. It's weird. Let's do it again. Yep. Do it. <laughs> Gaspard says, thankfully, no one else was hurt on 
the dive. I can expend some magic to heal these wounds. Okay. Yes, sure. please do. That's one way to be thankful for. And I kind of like extend my hands holding Riley in his direction like I'm giving him a package or something. Kind of bald up right now. So actually, Riley, you can roll this. Ooh. As Gaspard reaches out, you see them clutching in their hand a symbol that is... It's a pair of hands clasping a sun together. You see him reach up and he's kind of wearing this kind of amulet that's coming down from the kind of white surgeon's clothes that, or robes that he's wearing. And he grasps this and mutters a word under his breath. Do either of you speak celestial? Um, uh, nope. No. Okay, so you don't understand... You don't understand what Gaspard is saying, but it sounds... Very I do. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Zira, huh? <laughs> Down below deck, working on her books. <laughs> so you don't understand what Gaspard is saying, but you do get that it's kind of sing-songy and soothing to hear. Riley, in your kind of daze, you feel this just kind of warmth wash over you, and Ioana, you see that in this faint moment, the flesh beneath Gaspard's skin on his hands are kind of glowing with a radiant light, almost like when you shine a flashlight through your skin, like a light mm. is coming from within. And Riley, as this... As Gaspar reaches over and runs his hands over these kind of big, big suction cup wounds, you start feeling better. Roll me 3d8. 3d8. Oh, that's a nice oh, spell. That is 14. Plus three. So you regain 17 hit points. Oh, that's great. And as your wounds are healing and your, your breath is kind of getting steadier, Gaspard reaches forward and puts his hand right up against your neck and just kind of feels like where one of the bruises were. Th does these hurt? Oh, it... It tickles a little bit more than anything. <laughs> Stop Good, it. then you should you should be stable for now. Try not to get hurt like this again. I do not have much of that capacity left for the day. I can heal much more minor wounds, but not something this severe. Maybe one more time for the day. So just be careful, okay? Get some rest, drink plenty of fluids. I'll do that, Doc. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for helping him. Gaspard nods his head and says, May her light be with you. Wh whose light? Misery, the mistress, the healing mistress. Is Riley a religious person or no? Not at all. Not at all. Okay, so if you want to roll me a religion check. Uh, sure. Can I'd I like also do that? I am a religious person. Yes. For you, I think, Yuana, it would be a very easy check, like 10. Riley, probably something harder, like 15. I rolled a 2, and that's plus 4 with a 6. I don't know who that is. You have no idea who that is. I got 21. You're very familiar with the healing mistress. Anyone who is involved in the healing arts usually draws some kind of power or faith from Maseri. But to put it forward, there is, to give you the kind of the basic tenets of it, they serve to heal, not harm. They take oaths to not bring harm to anyone for the exchange of, they can grant the boon of life to people, heal wounds that should not be repaired, and in some cases bring back the dead, if you've been with the church for much longer. With your 21, you know that a core belief, and which maybe this comes through by you seeing the light beneath the hands, but the Church of Misery, the Healing Mistress, believes that every being has an innate power within them, a life force that can be amplified and shared. And that's how the priests believe their magic works. They share their own life, their essence, with other people to heal their wounds. Okay. So as he says this, you, that kind of nods very familiar with you. I feel like since you grew up in a temple, there would have definitely been at least a priest of Misery there. Because the, you know, temples out in the jungle, kind of dangerous just because the animals that live out there, people would probably need to be healed. Yeah. Can you spell Misery? Yeah. M-I-S-C-E-R-I. -E Quick question. Mm -hmm. Did 
Did Yona put me on the ground, or am I still being held? No, no, I I am still holding you. <laughs> I'm gonna wriggle like a cat that doesn't want to be held anymore. No, I. Riley turns over towards her, and he, he doesn't know why, but he just assumes it's it's Yona. Yona, your hands are very warm. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, okay. I I can can you stand? Can I? Oh yeah, I'm fine. Here? I'm fine now. Thank you. You mean you're fine with me holding you still, or are you fine with standing on your own? I, I don't know what this you mean. The, this is the player, ¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I'm fine either. Just... Okay, and, I, and I'm going to very, very gently put him on the deck. Okay. <laughs> but like with uh, providing additional support if needed, like I'm hovering basically. <laughs> Yeah, so you put him down, and as this is going on, you see Gaspard, someone yells off in the distance and waves him over, and he makes his way over to the other crew member to tend to some very minor bruises, wounds, things of that nature. And above you, you hear the sails unfurl. Now, we're going to cut to Zira. You just finished up where you were kind of going through your spell book and learning this new spell that you have. With you kind of figuring out the musings of this spell, what would you like to do? You're currently in your quarters. Above you, you can hear people walking across the decks of the ship. It feels like everyone's kind of in motion again. What time of day is it at the moment? I'll tell you, it is probably somewhere around four or five o'clock. You guys kind of parked here in the middle of the day and have spent a few hours digging through this shipwreck at the bottom of the ocean with the dive teams. If Zira is aware of that, I think that's up to you based on how engrossed she was in her books. Mm, not aware. Not aware, okay. But I'm probably hungry or bored, so I, I probably go above deck looking for people or food. Maybe that's maybe that's what tips you off, not the sound of people moving, not the sound of sails unfurling and the creaking of the ship moving beneath you, but in the middle of you flipping through a page, your stomach just goes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm neglecting you, Tommy. Yeah, and you stand up in this room that is... a Again, held together by haphazard planks <laughs> affixed to the walls from the previous destruction that it tore through this place. We fixed it. There's, there's no problems anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they're patched up. It's not a permanent fix right now. <laughs> but yeah, so you make your way above decks. Passing by you are, you know, easily half a dozen crew making their way below decks, pulling back the gun ports, sealing everything up. Roll me a dexterity save. Dexterity save. <laughs> not even safe not even in your own ship i got 20 okay that's plenty so you're making your way through the mid deck of the ship ahead of you is the staircase that leads up above decks and you begin to walk up and at the top of the stairs you hear someone go oh, 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 and you hear someone tumble and rolling down the stairs in front of you is two casks of something they're rolling your way they don't look familiar to you what do you do i just Hop over Easy. So with deft and grace, you hop in the air, and with one, two, maybe your feet touch the barrel to make it extra cool. They roll down beneath you and kind of thump down onto the deck and start rolling away, and you hear someone at the top go, shit, 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 and they run past you below deck, and you can hear them grabbing the barrels. Sorry, is he playing Donkey Kong? <laughs> you caught me, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I've been exposed. <laughs> <laughs> gonna have to censor that. Can't can't be saying Kong. Oh shit. Yeah. So you make your way up the stairs and above deck, you see Yuana putting Riley down. What would y'all like to do? Well, I'm gonna get up off the floor because I feel like she put me down butt first, not on my. <laughs> I gotta get up now. Yep. Okay. 
just okay. There's no, no ever, no, no, no scars, right? <laughs> Do I, I even, know what just happened to them? I don't even see or... the room. Just <laughs> no. So you have no idea because Zero was so absorbed in her books. What you can see ahead of you, though, is Ioana is soaking wet head to toe, like dripping water on the deck. Riley also soaking wet head to toe, except pieces of his clothes have these giant circular holes ripped in them. Oh my gosh. Aside from the fact that there's no bruises, he does look pretty haggard. But like physically, the physically his body looks fine. Like more than normal? <laughs> yeah, he might have had a near-death experience maybe, I don't know. <laughs> oh, hey Zira. <laughs> What's up, guys? Uh, we went to retrieve the treasures from the wreckage on the bottom of the sea and uh, there were some creatures that were not very happy to see us. Yeah, very mean individuals. You did that today? Yeah. Uh, Here, I found uh, this. Like right and now, I, a few hours ago, we I started. Pull out, I pull out. What's his name? Slappy McCracken's hand. Oh. <laughs> I, found that. I forgot about it. I forgot about it that hand. There's two rings on it. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. I like take an involuntarily step away from Riley. Where were you keeping that? In my, in in my pocket. <laughs> no. <laughs> but, put um, it back. I put it away. Is there something special about the hand? I take it back out. <laughs> well, it's got <laughs> rings, the magic rings. What do you... <sighs> magic I... rings? I want one. Well, uh, well the... hold on. Can we, we have take two. the rings off the hand and get rid of the hand, maybe? Or does the oh. hand have some particular sentimental or magical value as well? I mean, if he wants the hand... I didn't think about it, but... Mm -hmm. Was it a fleshy hand? It's a little deteriorated. Deteriorated. Horrible. I put it away. I no, but Riley, come on. We have to get the rings off and then we can throw away the hand and not have it stink everything up. But, oh. Do you want the hand and the rings? I. Well, let me think about it. Okay, I if just you want had, the hand, you need I to had, clean it up because it's nasty. It's dead yes. person's well, hand. Why um, do you want a dead person's hand? When I was going to school, we used hands all the time. Okay, all the time. So I, I'm thinking. I use hands all the time too. I don't. I, too much enough. For spells. What kind of spells do need a dead person's hand? We have not gotten to those points. Um, but I've been. I, I. I need to study up more, and maybe I can make use of it. Waste not, want not. I would, vote no. Would there be a Ziploc bag or something of the sort? What's that? A pirate ship. No. What's a zip you know, Like those little bags that they put food in to preserve it? I met this guy. He, he, his name was Lock Zip, you know. Not that, okay, so <laughs> Ziploc, the, the warlock of storage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, give, you give things to the warlock and he holds it for you. Marie Kondo is the patron. <laughs> Every time you cast a spell, you have to decide if something sparks joy or not. Does it, does it spark joy? <laughs> no. Eldridge Blast. <laughs> Oh, okay, no. this this hand, Riley. This hand does not spark joy. <laughs> I can tell you this. Well, it's actually one of my old professors. Oh, that's worse. Is I, it worse? It, it's meaningful, you know. So it has sentimental value. Okay, I'm gonna find you a very big jar. How about that? 
and you can remove the you can remove the rings and we can put the hand in the jar and then it will not smell like we are carrying a half rotten corpse uh does it smell that bad and i take a sniff um roll me a constitution and then you lose all your oh no <laughs> okay constitution yeah so you you give it a sniff and it just what was your role on the save 19 19 it does smell bad Weirdly enough, though, Riley doesn't seem to be faced by it because in school, as he said, they were used to teaching people with these kinds of things. And sometimes they were a little more fresh than they probably should have been. But yeah, Riley, it smells bad, but not bad enough that you would uh, get sick off of it. Everyone else, it smells terrible. As you're sniffing this, you're, you hear someone from behind you go, what the fuck is that? Then you look over your shoulder and you see Freya Birkin, the quartermaster. And she goes, did you find that on the ship? Down. Where did you uh, get that? It, well, technically, I found it on my old professor who was on a ship. So I guess, yeah. Um, it's a hand. It has magic rings on it. A a okay. magic ring. Magic magic rings. Good good. Um, we've been gathering up all of the goods salvaged from below, and she puts her hand out expectantly. Sad. Give it to one that doesn't. Give it to one hand in her hand. I uh, uh, can. Oh, um, did you not want the? Did she you takes, just want she the takes hand? A glove out. It's all right. Let me be clear. Are the rings magic, or is the hand also magic? Oh, just the just the one ring. It's this ring. Just the ring. Okay. Um, I don't want to touch that. Can you just take the rings off and hand those to me? I'll put it with a stash for when we assess for distribution. Hold on a second. Yeah. Okay. That's one. I'm sorry. Oh, it's it's disgusting. Okay. Uh, uh, one second. Uh, I put the hand back in my pocket, and there's no. a little bit of skin on one of the rings. I have to like. Hold on, sorry. There. Well, it's a little slimy. So one of the rings, uh, not the magical one, the other one was a little bit tighter. Um, and so when I I kind of pried it off, it took a little bit of the skin with it. So I'm I'm cleaning it off a little bit. I'm I'm sorry. As you pull, it pulls, you know, the grossness with it. This this episode needs content warning now. Thank you. And the finger just pops off. And the ring kind of slides off and comically is about to fall to the ground. And Riley's like, <laughs> he grab it. Uh, uh, there you go. Two, two rings. One magical, one not. Uh, am I allowed to keep this hand, though? Riley, I beg you, please, please, please throw it overboard. <laughs> please. Just the finger? Everything. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Let him keep the finger. No, why? <laughs> You're making him throw away the hand. For future keep... purposes. You know what? I Fine. Will... I have another hand anyway. Uh, toss it. What? Call me a strength check. <laughs> Ooh, that's not bad. Okay, strength. Uh, 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 that's 13. 13. You throw it and it sails through the air as the ship has started to move away from the area. What's your passive perception? Uh, passive 11 11 that's fine as you throw it and anyone else who has a passive roughly in that area as the hand sails away you swear for a moment the fingers curl into a middle finger as it falls into the ocean (laughs) you don't know if that was by chance or if yeah it's unsettling (laughs) see it's a very good thing we threw it away what if it tried to strangle you in the night it wasn't my very it seemed like he was more upset that he was thrown away. You know? 
this is my favorite professor. Right? It's, 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 it's fine. I have another one. You might have hurt their feelings. Sorry, did you say that his name was Slappy McCracken? Is Slappy his first name or is that all his last name? Well, it's more of like a nickname. I honestly don't remember his real name. Um, we called him Slappy because, well, his first, well, first his name was McCracken because he wore a very small, very small pants. And whenever he bent over, we we would see his crack. <laughs> I didn't come up with the name with it, but the, the, the other people did. And anyway, also Slappy because he used to mat down his hair like it was in like like it was tendrils like it was like, oh, it was weird and it looked like someone slapped his hair down it, it oh, tentacles, so that is cut. unfortunate image well now head. i think what's more unfortunate is that he is now not alive uh, as this conversation is happening freya goes hold on hold on hold on um hate to cut this short great conversation do we know what these rings do or should i have Appa be checking them out well, the one, well, the like I said, the one, only one of them is magical. And I would love keep it if you would be so inclined. It's called a light weaver ring. Okay, Freya takes out a, a notepad and starts to write this down. It's called a light wave ring, which is denoted by the orange stone clasped into it. She goes, and the other one? Well, just, just a ring. Just a ring. Okay, just a ring. Thank you. She closes it, takes a pouch, drops both rings in. If it would be useful to you, that will be a question for Kothak. When we break shore, we usually take all the goods found, assess the value, and sell them or keep them if they will be useful to us. But usually we don't just kind of willy-nilly let crew individually take. It's equal. It's an equal share ship. Oh, okay. Uh, but just to let you know, the other ring is worth 260 gold, roughly. Okay, Um. so that is like game information that I gave the player. Um, I no. thought that when I identified it, it was telling me how much it was worth. Oh, no, no, that's know. okay. So let's let's do a thing. This is clearly Slappy's hand. I mean, the ring was on it. Tell me how you know exactly how much gold this is worth. Well, because we would pay for classes. So like we would kind of like a tip jar for each class. So like you would put in a gold and roughly I remember him one day the tip jar was empty in his class. And I was like, man, that was a lot of gold in there. Anyway, um, he came in with a nice ring. Gold gone, ring, new ring. I, I assume it is roughly about, you know, 260-ish in the jar. But like, a, it was a lot of uh, all the classes we had to pay for, like tip them. It was kind of like a complimentary thing. Mm -hmm. um, I yeah. love that. <laughs> it, it only raises the question of what kind of school did Riley go to where there was a tip jar for the teacher? <laughs> <laughs> and they're teaching you to keep hands on you at all times, just like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide towel. <laughs> it was restorative arts bar and grill drive through <laughs> You know, um, it's it's paying our respects and gratitude to our professors. As you're discussing this phrase, okay, okay, fine. She writes it down. Thank you. You need anything? Let me know. I got a lot of goods to assess. And she turns around and walks away. Zira, what would you like to do right now? Yeah, so I originally came above deck for one out of two things. Okay. I have met the one. I would like some food. Okay, Um. so as this conversation is happening, maybe you make your way back below decks. You couldn't find Henry up top to um, get the food you needed. You go back mm -hmm. down below mm -hmm. deck and 
since it's right around that time of day, you find Henry in his normal work quarters just getting a meal prepared. It's kind of a stew. You guys are running low on supplies, so it's mostly like, have you ever heard of garbage, like garbage stew? Mm, yeah. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. It's mostly like the leftovers. And Henry's kind of mixing up this big vat and kind of putting in spices. Oh, hi, hi, Zira. How how are you? What's what's up? How can I help you? And he's stirring it. It smells pretty decent. Uh, good. I need food. Can I have some? Hmm. Please? Dinner bells in about an hour. Um, Henry leans out and looks down the deck of the ship, and everyone's kind of working. I haven't eaten since yesterday. I'm sorry. Roll me a persuasion check. Persuasion? Yep. Can I get Riley to roll it? <laughs> <laughs> I got a six. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Has Zira actually skipped like a day and a half worth of meals? <laughs> yes, I have been cooped up in my room. So I shouldn't have to persuade him. He should see it on my face. I am turning into dust here. Okay, so you do look pretty haggard, but... Here's what I happens. wouldn't go that far. Come on. So you're, I mean, because if you haven't eaten in two days, you're going to look not great. So you're standing there with Henry, and very quietly, you haven't even seemed to notice, but you look to your right, and there is a gnome fella who has just snuck up on you and is sitting next to you, and he's looking at Henry, and he goes, Me too. I haven't eaten in three days. <laughs> and Henry goes, Hour. Can you wait one more hour? I can't give food out to people before... You know, we can't be playing favorites. Okay. Can you wait I look hour? around, right? You Do look... I see any, like, rolls or anything lying around? Yeah, there would, be, there would be some kind of rolls that he's kind of stacking up, getting ready for distribution with the rest of the food in about an hour. Is he directly in front of them? Yeah. Can I get one of these rolls right here? And I point to them? That's all I want. I won't even come back in an hour. As you say this, he's like, first off, you, if you haven't eaten in three days, you can't just eat... <sighs> It's fine. I just you, need something Paul, that I can go he, back to my room He points room to with. the gnome. Paul, get out of here. You do this every day, and I watch you stuff your face. And he's... I told you, my name's Death Fist. He turns and walks away. And Bye, Death, Death Fist, Fist, the level-headed, was given to us by a listener named Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Oh, Death Fist, the level-headed. Um, and he, he wanders off. Henry looks at you and goes, All right, you've helped me out. Take one. Come back in an hour. You'll get your dinner. I didn't see you around at dinner. I just couldn't give it to you in front of Paul because he's a, a beggar every day. He wants more and more. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I grab one up, and then I go about my way. As you're running off, he goes, you won't get one at dinner. Okay. See you later. Save one for me later. And I think from here, we can kind of fast forward a bit. As Zero is kind of running off, and the ship is slowly making its way down, you know, further and further down the business channel. Um, for the remains of this day and nightfall lands about an hour later with that we settle in on a scene on the top deck of the ship as you have been kind of gathering yourselves maybe drying off your clothes taking a rest from a pretty harrowing day the ship has been in full commotion and you realize why when you all return to the top deck and you find that the the mess tables the mess hall tables which have normally been kind of arranged down below during the meal times have been brought up upon the deck of the ship when you step up on deck, you can kind of see something very strange. In the air above the ship, there are weaving lights of color. It can only be described like something of an aurora. You see vibrant shades of yellow, orange, teal, blue, purple, kind of dancing in sky above you, kind of bathing the whole deck of the ship in this beautiful menagerie of colors. You can see that Henry has got himself set up at a large table, distributing 
this kind of garbage stew to a line of crew members who were kind of standing there. What would you like to do? Did we escape the storm? Because there was a gathering storm. Did we get ahead of it? Yeah, as for as for now, based on the fact that they've managed to bring everything up above deck, it seems, in the meantime, the storm hadn't quite caught up with you yet. Roll me a nature check, I think. Or survival. Your call. Okay. That is not good. Yeah, let's say nature, that's 11. So based on um, where you were, and you know where the ship is generally going, your best guess was that just kind of watching the storm as it moved as you all were sailing away. If it, if you were to cross paths with it, it probably would have been if that salvage operation had taken too long. You were both kind of going in different directions and it oh, happened okay. to meet right there. Okay, so it passed us by. Yep. Good, good, good. Yachka, you are an asshole. <laughs> can I keep that in? Yes. Oh, that's yes, adorable. You can. Okay. So yeah, all of you are kind of up here on the deck. It seems you have beaten out the storm, or at least any chance you would have of it becoming a problem. As you're kind of taking in the scene, you can see that a bunch of the crew have already taken seats. You see a table with Neil, Susanna, and Nadja kind of eating together. They're playing cards. Vapa is kind of standing against the rail of the ship, just looking off into the distance. Kothak is sitting comfortably nearby, enjoying himself a drink on the stairs, just watching the crew, taking everything in. I will say, among the rest of the crew, there is kind of one table set off to the side. It's out of arrangement with everything else. You don't know if it's intentional or if this was something of their make, but you see these three staff from the Valiant that you have rescued a little bit ago. They're kind of sitting off on their own, blankets strewn over their backs. They have food, same as everyone else, large kind of cups, and they're just kind of talking quietly. What would you like to do? Can I walk up to Kothak and say, discreetly pointing at the table of the three of them, can I say, has anybody spoken to them yet? Kothak, as you walk up, he's finishing a sip from his flask and he he's screwing on the cap and he goes, not yet. They seemed pretty distressed. I didn't want to worry them or um, stress them out. They didn't seem like they were part of the Emporo, so I've, I've had someone watching them to make sure they weren't a threat. And he looks over towards Neil and he goes, he probably hasn't been paying much attention in the past hour, but we haven't talked to them. Would you like us to take care of that? I mean, we saved them from the ship, so they might be more inclined to trust us and speak to us. I think that's good. That makes sense. I'd have a quick request if you, what kind of information you can get out of them. Anything about the attack, who might have done it, why it was happened, and I don't know if they'd be privy to this information, but how many of those cannons they had on board. Okay. I know from the looks of it, they seem like they were waitstaff. So, I mean, who knows? But yeah, feel free. Talk to them. I kind of like look at Zira and Riley and say, what, what do you think? Do we sit with them and try to gather that information? Quick yeah, question. Let's do it. Did we get our spell slots back? Not today yet. You're getting close to the end of the day. Riley, I'd say it's been at like an hour or two. I would count that as a short rest. So you would probably get your warlock slots back. Cool. And if anyone will want to do arcane recovery, if you have that to get spell slots back, I think Zira, that would be you. You could. Oh, I have I have that too. That's a first mm -hmm. level thing. Oh yeah, Zira, you should be fine then because you yeah. went down below. Exactly. Oh, I get one spell, one wizard spell. I'm only back. missing one slot. <laughs> oh no, I'm missing two slots. Crap. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, it's been long enough. I should have all mine back, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you were kind of mostly For just you, studying yeah. these books and not casting spells. You would... Just mark off a second level spell for the object reading, and that's it. Well, Riley is probably eating already. He's just like, oh, what? Uh, yeah, we can do whatever. He's just holding a bowl. 
Mm-hmm. So I think maybe it's best if you do the talking, Riley. I mean, you're very good at that. It's always me. Oh, okay. okay. I mean, I'm good at frightening people, but I don't think we want them scared of us. Good point. Well, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they need. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So, okay. hold on one second. Okay. Why they were... What, what they remember of the attack. Why they were attacked. Cannons. Uh... Am I missing anything? No, I think those are the most important things. Okay. Maybe if they remember about other important people who were on this ship. Okay. And right? It looked like a ship full of people. very rich and important people. So maybe they know of somebody important who was there. Hmm. Okay. And if you just want to remind me, if you think of anything else, just let me know. Yeah, so you make your way up to this kind of round table off to the side. And at the moment, you can see three individuals seated here. The first is a half-orc woman, dark green skin. You'd notice she has pointed elven ears. And she is still wearing the clothes that she was wearing when you found her in the ship. Um, it, it mostly looks like a tattered chef's uniform. It's very clean. You can see that stitched upon one of the shoulders is a symbol of... It looks to be like crossed spatulas, which is kind of cheesy. If anyone would like to roll a check, you might be able to recognize it. If not, that's fine. Your call. Of course I will. Let's find out. What kind of check is it? History, I think. Ooh, that's a seven. (laughs) A seven. Yeah, you have no idea what it is. It's a cool patch. (laughs) Seated next to her is another halfling, feminine, kind of chewing down on some stew, folded up kind of neatly. On the table next to them is what looks to be the remnants of a ruined, pretty ruined tuxedo. And seated on the right of this table is a human. They have long blonde hair. Their skin is this kind of red auburn color. And all three of them are sitting at this table, kind of chatting quietly. As you walk up, led by Riley, there's kind of a pause in the conversation. And they look to you. And the orcish woman stands up from her chair and kind of nods her head down and says, Thank you for saving us um, from the ship. Oh, well, uh, you're, you're welcome. Uh, can we join you? Yes, yes, please. And you see the feminine halfling stand up and go to walk around the table to get the chairs almost on reflex. And then you can see there's kind of a moment of like, I'm not working. And they kind of settle and kind <laughs> of motion to the chairs. Sorry, reflex. Let me make it clearer that you don't need to do that. And I kind of like set the <laughs> drinks in front of them. I served them drinks. <laughs> Thank you. It's been, um, it's been a rough half a day. Please join us. Okay. So we sit with them. Mm-hmm. Um, hi, uh, I'm Riley with the W. Uh, what's, what's all your names? The half-orc woman starts off saying Gazuka. It's G-I-Z-I-L-K-A. Hmm. And then the feminine halfling pipes up, Lana. And finally, the human singer has this kind of low, almost baritone voice. Says, Kerpi. It's K-E-R-P-I. And those names were provided by Scruffy Bear, Roberto, and Misa. Thanks for all these awesome name submissions. Thank you. Thank you. Wait, so the human is a singer? Yes, the human is the singer. Yeah, they were wearing a gown when we rescued them. Sure, gotcha. Okay, uh... Well, uh, so, so sorry, uh, rest of introductions. I'm, I'm Joanna. Hello. And that lady with the nose in her book is Zira. <laughs> oh, hi. Sorry. I'm Zira. Sorry. I'll put it away now. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were hungry. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, 
Sorry, uh, just, just a couple of questions, if, if you don't mind. Uh, may I ask one first? May of course. I, may I ask one first? This is um, was, Lana speaking. Was uh, that the question? Netflix. No. no. Oh. <laughs> what, what kind of ship is this? They're kind of looking Mer around. A, a, a merchant ship? <laughs> Roll me a deception check. <laughs> Here we go. Ooh. Okay, you said deception? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, Thirteen. Okay, okay. Lana kind of nods her head. Was that it, or did you want? Because maybe we, you know, I you you get all your questions out, then I can ask my questions, you know, or our questions. Or do you want to eat uh, first? I don't want to interrupt. Uh, we've we've been we've been eating for a while. Um, I I don't want to speak for the other two here. She looks towards Kerpy and Gazilka, and they both kind of shrug. Gazilka's enjoying her stew. She says, "Where where are we going? New Bismuth, I think. Oh yeah. That's oh, from you're, you're going back to the city." Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. Okay, good. All right. Uh, you can see that, like, um, the stiff shoulders have kind of relaxed a little bit. A bit of the nervousness has kind of unwound. So what do you want to know? Well, uh, do you remember any of you? Uh, these questions are to any of you. Uh, do you remember anything from the attack at, at all? Roll me a persuasion check. I'll tell you this isn't for Lana. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's a natural one. Hmm. <laughs> Lana goes to start speaking, and Kerpy puts their hand up. Before you say any more, what kind of ship is this? A, a, a merchant ship. That is a lie. What? What's a lie? What kind of ship is this? It's the kind of ship that stops well, to it's... fish people out of water after something very dangerous happened to them and they are very close to dying. Yeah, it's a very big ship. It's a safe yeah, ship in the twice. middle of a very dangerous sea. Ooh, roll me an intimidation check. I like that one. <laughs> I like to think that Joanna like doesn't really realize that this might be interpreted as threatening. She's like, "You're in a safe place now. Talk to us." <laughs> and that's probably why this isn't on the, a very good check. That is a nine. And I smile. I smile widely at them. It's unsettling. Kerpy goes to speak up and <laughs> Lana goes, Look, they saved us. If they were bad, they would have just left us down there. Like whoever attacked the ship. You see Gazelle go with a full mouth. Go, mm hmm Yeah. Look at <laughs> She swallows. Sorry. Left left mm -hmm. us for dead. And okay. Lana goes, what What's today? It's very hard to tell how long we were down there for. I, if we know what day it is, we tell them. Mm-hmm. It's it's Maybe a Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, I mean we can use regular hey. days of the week for communication. That's fine. Well, it, it's it's more or less like a a Monday, I assume, from all the bad stuff that's been happening. Yeah, it feels like a Monday. All right. All right. It feels like it feels like a Monday, it's then it's definitely Tuesday. Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> she lo she looks towards Zira and laughs a bit. Um, and you notice with that little bit of communication, as Lana's speaking, she's looking to Zira. So yesterday they they were having a a big dinner on the ship. We were hired by the Staffers Guild to just kind of work on the ship. I mean, all of us. And they motion to the three of them. And Gazilka points to her patch. And um, I don't know exactly what they were doing. I, I was a server. But from, from what I understand, it seems like they were in Poro's ship. They were looking for investors for something. There was a lot of very rich people on the ship, decadent. But we were all three of us were in the kitchen. And Kerpy goes, I was nervous about singing in front of so many rich people, so I was getting a snack of wine <laughs> to calm the nerves. And Lana goes, yeah, I was munching down on some, some, some crab cakes, and 
It's the weirdest, weirdest thing. Somebody was was giving a speech up, up on the stage, um, and Gazelka, you were closest to the to the window, right? The, the window and the door. And Gazelka says, "Yeah, yeah, I was I was um by the window, taking a peek out, just to see if the food was making its way around, and there was some old fart general standing on their stage giving a speech, and um, somebody just rode in on a horse in the middle of the hall. The speech stopped. Everyone's turning around to look." And he was yelling something to the crown, waving the sword around. And then they, they all started laughing. Like they were laughing at the per- I don't know. Um, it was weird. And then the ship lurched. And there was a loud- it sounded like an explosion, almost. And then, um, and as this happens, Kerpy cuts in and says, And then my breath, the air turned cold. I breathed out and it was a mist. A cold mist. And Lana says, Yeah, I was- that last crab cake was, was really cold. Then Gazoka cuts back in and says, And then the, the, the whole room was encased in ice. The walls, we, we heard it explode. I think through what the fro- the window, it was frosted. I think through it, I saw some kind of tentacle thrashing through the ship. The man was still on the horse. I don't understand. And Kerpy says, And that was the last thing we saw. We huddled in the back in one of the, in the pantry. Sealed the door to the freezer because weirdly enough, it was the the cold room was the same temperature, and then eventually everything went quiet. I think that this oh no, that ice sounds horrible. This sounds horrible, but th- this ice might have actually saved you. Definitely. Are, we're at the top of the ship, right? We're on the deck. Yeah, you guys are sitting at a table off to the far side, like closer to the front of the ship. You, you know how there's like a staircase on each side, the left and the right. It's like right by the banister of the right staircase. Rally gets up real quick and like looks around towards the oat like water and sits back down and goes man rode in on a horse in the middle of the water midst of um a bite of bread gazoka goes yeah yeah very very weird yeah i can understand why why people thought thought it might be a joke or a performance or something that's why they laugh probably is that like a Mm -hmm. is that like a seahorse or something or they're tiny. Aren't they tiny? Why did I not know that? <laughs> Says Zira out loud. Uh, Seahorses uh, are very tiny. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm a wizard. I don't, I'm not a biologist. It's, all I know is it, it was very weird. As far as I know, there wasn't a horse on the ship. And if there was, they hit it very well. It's not that easy to hide a horse on the ship, I think. You would have known. That is super weird. Very tame horse. Well, uh, well, maybe it was a magic horse. Maybe it wasn't real, but somebody conjured a horse. Hmm. Mm, that makes more sense, actually. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, n- next question. Uh, D. I well, you guys probably don't know, but I mean, maybe you do know. Uh, you know why they attack a vengeful spirit or, or revenge or what, what's up? Lana and Kerpy look towards Gazilka, who seems to be the only person who saw this figure. I... I don't know. Couldn't have been any number of reasons. I don't even know if, if it was the horse person. Sorry. The man riding the horse um, that was part of it. I, I thought it was a show, too. It was weird. What? Yeah. Um, sorry. You're a... You're a singer, right? Uh, Kirby, uh... Was there any other act beside you? Or were you the only one? I was the only singer, as far as I am aware. Mm. Unless, again, they could have... These rich folks love their strange, eccentric surprises. 
Could have been anything. As far as I know, I was the only singer. But like any other forms of entertainment that you were made aware of, maybe? None. A lot of these, I don't know if you are familiar with this, but a lot of the Emporo employment is head down, don't ask, eyes to the floor kind of work. Okay. Well, um, do you, Lana? Yes. You're... You're a, a a waiter of some sort, correct? Yes, I am a I'm a I'm a runner, bus tables. Well, I guess that would. Okay, so we got senior chef, and oh, well, I guess you would maybe know more than either of them. Uh, about those cannons, do you know of the cannons on the ship? Roll me a persuasion check with disadvantage. <laughs> oh man, persuasion. Uh, that's okay, I guess. Um, that is a 14. 6 plus 8 is 14, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. I do the maths all day long. <laughs> Lana goes... She she looks nervously between Gazilka and Kerpy. I know... I, looks, she looks towards Kerpy and says, I know we're supposed to keep our, you know, eyes down. Um, eyes down, ears closed. Um, but I, I heard a handful of these rich folks. Oh, what was it? What was his name? He was really gross. His hair was all flattened, weird on his head. Um, he, he was, that's an awful name. Is that his name? Had nickname, I think. I don't know if anyone would have called him that there, though. He's a famous bad guy. That's awful. That's awesome. Um... He was boasting to somebody when I was um, handing out hors d'oeuvres something about um, doing some work for the Emporo to help with these weapons they were showcasing. I was only there for 30 seconds, but I did hear the word two dozen. Oh, no. Is that bad? What what are these things? Uh, dangerous is what they are, but... Uh... Well, if we're lucky, they are all at the bottom of the sea right now, and nobody can get them. Two, two, two dozen, huh? <laughs> um, as you say that, Gazoka leans back, and you just hear, "Oh no!" What, why? Oh no! What? What? Oh no! Who? Oh no! I saw shadows through some of the ice on the windows. I, I couldn't tell what it was. I was hoping it was someone who'd come rescue us, but they they vanished pretty quickly. The cannons. I saw I saw your crew salvaging. Did you find any of the cannons? Parts? Some broken pieces, yeah. They all they all kind of share a look. What do you do? Well, what exactly did you see through the windows? What was that? Yeah, what what's that look? Why oh no? I still don't know why oh no. These shadows weren't us, I assume. We, we You mean th- others? This was maybe an hour or two after the sink, the ship was sunk. We saw shadows. Coming down, passing some of the windows. We we tried to bang on the walls, and they didn't. Are you sure it wasn't just sharks? In the moment, yeah. Thinking about it, I I thought it was fish or corp. They kind of hesitate. Corpses, you know, other people on the ship. I go grab them, and I go grab them another drink. As Yuana walks off, Zira and Riley, Gazoka says, "I think that they might have been diving for the the weapons." Oh my god. Gods, who hired us? 
I'm never taking an Imporo job again. Well, that's a that's a safe bet. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Well, this isn't good. This isn't good at all. Um, okay, so we get... Uh, Anything you guys would like to ask him? Zero, Riley? The attack, why, cannon... There was a one more question I wanted to ask. Can't remember. Hmm. Mm. Oh, yeah. The tentacle. Did you know about the captain's tentacle? <laughs> L- let me rephrase that. The tentacle in the captain's room? As you said that, all three of them stopped chewing their food and kind of stared at you in confusion. I leaned in. Did you know about the tentacle? Lana pipes up. N- n- no? What What do you mean? Insight check. Okay, roll me an insight check. Uh, a five. Um, they they seem confused and honest. <laughs> I lean back really quick and go, "Okay, oh, it's just that it it uh it almost killed me. It's fine." Uh, let me know when I get back with the drinks. At this point, you walk up to the drink table. You can see at this point, Henry has kind of served food to everybody. And he was making himself a plate. And you walk up. What do you do? Uh, hi, Henry. Uh, sorry, don't mean to disturb you. Uh, could I get three uh, cups of something nice and strong for our guests? They seem very stressed. Henry looks looks you in the face and then looks over towards the guest. And you kind of see a confused smile roll over his face. Can you roll me an insight check? Sure. <gasps> Oh, that's not good. I'm rolling very poorly today. Uh, seven. Yeah, you're not sure why, but Henry seems excited. Yeah, yeah. How many do you need? Uh, I think just three is is okay. Uh, I think that's fine. They've oh. been through a lot. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, they need to relax if they want to rest tonight, and you know, if they're relaxed, we have some questions. We want to understand what happened here, so. Yeah, yeah, here, take two, I'll grab one. Um, and Henry loops his hand through two cups along with his um, tray with his bowl on it of stew. Sure, sure. Uh, and the two okay. of you make your way back over. Is there anything you wanted to do when you reach the table? Yeah, I kind of uh, wanted to ask uh, another question. There is a break in conversation when we woke up and I'm not interrupting anything. And then I kind of want to um, sit down. I point to put the put the cups in front of them. I say... Um, this is Henry. Oh, listen, can you tell me how you got this job? Who who hired you? Um, so as you, you come over and pull the chair out and sit down, and as you say, this is Henry, Henry's walking up behind you. And you see Lana and Henry make eye contact. And Henry goes, holy, holy shit, Elliot? And Lana looks at Henry and goes, there's just this kind of open... Draw of surprise, uh, Lana, Lana now. But Henry, holy crap! How that—that's weird timing. And Henry immediately goes, Lana, it has been so long. Um, and he sits down immediately and slides the cups over. You know each other. Henry's like giddy. Yeah, we <laughs> we used to. Are you st- and he, uh, Henry? Um, looks at Lana. Uh, Lana, are you still with? Are you still with the the guild? And Lana nods her head. Yeah, yeah, I have. I'm still with them. I mean, I guess maybe not after today, but... And Henry looks to you on and goes, Yeah, we... I used to work with um, her and looks towards Lana and, go, and there's a brief pause for a second. Used to work with her 
when we were in the guild together before I found the Lily. The Staffers Guild that Gazilka mentioned, right? Yeah, yeah, in the Undercity. Do I know about the Staffers Guild? Roll me a history check, I think. I might know something. That is 17. Yeah, you've been in a lot of places. You've been in a lot of, you know, bars. We, like, we kind of went over this with the Sashis thing. You'd get in trouble a lot. Mm -hmm. You'd frequently encounter people who worked for those guilds, for that guild in particular. And it was mostly, like, a, uh, think of it as, like, a labor union um, mm -hmm. in the Undercity for people who, you know, cooking, busing, entertainment staff, things like that. It's kind of an all-encompassing guild for event work and things of that nature. <laughs> Hospitality workers yeah. union. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what it would have been. So that's not something that's too bizarre to you. Now that um, Henry has mentioned it and you kind of put two and two together, it, it makes sense. Yeah. And the guild hired you for this job, right? And Lana goes, yeah, um, we usually just get, uh, get contracts on a freelance basis from our handlers. You know, the, the people that kind of dole out the work to everyone. Hmm. Wasn't anything strange about it. It's just, I guess, wrong, wrong place, wrong time. Who do we talk to um, in the guild if we wanted to find out your employer where the contract originated? Since you've been so kind to us, I can give you some names for New Bismuth. There's, they have a little office in the Undercity. Okay. Is there anything else you guys would like to ask them? I don't think I have any other questions, and I kind of look at, at Zira and Riley. No, I got nothing. <laughs> oh. Have you just been sitting there reading, half listening? <laughs> I was reading full listening. Okay, okay. There's a difference. Good multitasking. What are you reading? Yes. I don't I, I, I don't even know the title of it. I grabbed a book before I left my room. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many books. Just kind of opened it up in the middle somewhere and started reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even in the middle. Just a random page. Mm -hmm. more, more towards the front, because I think this is a new book. Okay. Oh my god. I'm just imagining if you're reading orders, all kinds of weird. Yeah, I read chapter 3, 5, 17, 1, of course. <laughs> just um, like hopscotching around the book. Uh, Kelpie? There's, there's an order. Um, Kelpie? Yes. Kelpie, yes. Kirby? Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, would, would you mind singing for us? Roll me a persuasion check with disadvantage. You want him to sing? Shut up. Oh man. I got a uh, persuasion. That would be a nine, but I'm gonna cast Riley's redo. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I think worst number. And I'm just gonna stutter and be like, "Well, if you don't, yeah, yeah, could you, could you please? Uh, I would really like to hear you sing." Okay, roll me uh, another check. Disadvantage or? No, it just says you re-roll the check and use the new number. Okay. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, persuasion is 14. Kerpy mm. kind of, their brow furrows a little. I, um, I don't, not tonight. It's been a long day. I'm very tired. Okay. Maybe, well, maybe on the coming days of the ship. You sense there's, if you want to roll an insight, maybe I can give you a little more to the nature of their response. Of course. Oh, oh come on. That one's better. Um, insight is in... 18. There's still distrust. Okay. At this point, it's pretty clear to you that Kerpy noticed that you were lying about the nature of the ship and they don't trust you. Right. Well, yeah, yeah if you feel better in the coming days, uh, well, I'll, if if you weren't paid already, I, I'd be glad to give you maybe a couple gold to, 
to do so. There's not much en entertainment here, if you didn't notice. Kerpy, <laughs> as you say that, Kerpy looks past you with an eyebrow raised. As you can see that Susanna has clearly climbed up on a table with her, her fiddle out and is about <laughs> to start playing its song. And your statement is punctuated by her going... Whistling out to the crew and then starting off a song and the crew has kind of gathered around and started to dance and enjoy themselves. That's when I just, I kind of don't even blink, just make eye contact with, with Kirby and just go, Oh darn. <laughs> Kirby, the, a, a small smirk rolls over Kirby's face as they say, Maybe another night. Thank you, though, for the offer. Sure, sure. If you don't mine where can i retire for the night and henry chimes in immediately you notice that henry and lana have been engaging in small talk as this conversation is going on and henry goes um downstairs there is uh, plenty of bunks you should be able to just grab one nobody's gonna bother you and Kirby goes thank you and stands up and takes their mug and turns to walk away is there anything else you would like to do here is kirby in within earshot 15 feet away they're opening the door to go below I'd, 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 I'd wait until they leave, and then i go, I don't think they like me very much. Uh, I'm sure they're just tired and need to have a good night's sleep, and then in the morning it will be a completely different conversation, you'll see. I, I hope so. Hmm. Well, that was a very informative conversation. Thank you. I'm really glad that we could uh, bring you to safety here. Yeah, I think we maybe we will be able to talk a little bit more later uh it's gonna take us a few days to get to new business right yeah from here you have about another four days run this will be like the perfect time for y'all to have downtime and in this case i'm just going to make the conversation casual and enjoy the meal with the rest of the group um i realized that i have not gotten my food so i go see if there's <laughs> anything left i yeah you, well... you you scrounge up some food there's still some left henry has just left to stop doling it out no. Okay. Okay. Um. Well. Good. Good night. All. I'm gonna go back to my room, and I leave. Okay. So you make your way below deck, Yuana and Zira. What would you, the two of you like to do? So Zira is like stuffing her face with all the food because she hasn't eaten anything in two days. Mm -hmm. So yes, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, and Henry's not even there to stop it. Zira. Oh, Henry's not here. Oh, then I'm probably on my way to the neck to get more. <laughs> You're just standing there, ladle, soup ladle out. <laughs> Everyone's already eaten. It's fine. So, Roll me a stealth check. Roll me a stealth check. It's already made no. of leftovers. Oh, it is oh. already made of leftovers. You Hold cannot on. leave it as a leftovers of leftovers oh, for the next Leftover, day. leftover. Hold on. Paul it walks walks up and Zira's like just drinking out of the ladle and just goes like, uh, you you want some? And he's like, mm, no, I'm no, kind of hungry. Hold on, but, I got this. Mm, I got this. I love that we're gonna use Paul slash Death Fist. Sira, <laughs> you're soup. You're like souping it with the ladle, and you you hear the hardwood of the the deck of the ship creak next to you. In mid sip, you look over and you see um Paul the gnome. He has this kind of fiery red, big bushy beard. He's wearing like a almost like a, a fisherman's cap that is placed gently upon his head and he's wearing these kind of um like like a woolen pocket jacket and these kind of ruddy looking trousers with some weirdly enough dress shoes that are pretty beat up and he looks at you and goes hey you shouldn't be taking that 
I look at him dead in the eyes and I'm like, you're not getting mine, okay? He smiles. No more for you. He smiles and pulls his coat jacket back and there are a handful of pristine soup ladles and he pulls one out and aims it to you. <laughs> you don't want to leave Prince. <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Keep it between us. <laughs> and he takes one out and ladles with you. Oh, ew. Ew. Okay, we can share. He gave me all my the, own needle. You, you have, you have all, earned it now. All the back spit, though. Just oh. we're it's pirates. Fine. It's fine. It's only us two. What is your name? Uh, you can call me Zira. I'm Death Fist. Death Fist. <laughs> Death Fist. <laughs> How did you get the name Death Fist? I punch people, and they die. <laughs> that is. Yeah, should have seen that one. Yeah, sure. How'd you get your name? I was born with it. Uh, boring. Yeah, I'm not as, you know, lively as you are. Not yet. Thank you. <laughs> I go I about guess, um, sipping more soup. Yeah, so we've, we've, the camera pulls away with both of you sipping soup hurriedly without anyone noticing. Johanna, what are you doing? I kind of wanted to ask Zira about uh, what what she was reading <laughs> all the time while we were diving, but I can see that she is bonding with the crew over some soup, so I'm not going to disturb her. We can talk about it some other time. If it's any consolation, I did leave my book on the table next to you. Well, that would be an invasion of privacy. What if it's your journal or something? I'm not going to touch that. Could be dirty. Do you think anyone would <laughs> see my journal? <laughs> I mean, if you want to open it and look, you could. I, I mean, I would look at the I would look at the cover if there is like a title or something written on the cover. I would definitely look at that. Since Zira didn't give me a title because she doesn't remember what title it was, she just picked up a book and walked out. You can tell me the title if you'd like. Also, okay. for the title, you're gonna have to open the first page because it's not on the outside. Okay, I like this. Right. That's weird. All right. My books are old, so like you know. Don't have titles. It would be definitely something magical. The titles have faded long ago. It, it would be on the spine of the book, I, I'd assume. I might come back to you on that because I am drawing a blank right now for <laughs> for the title of the book that would be worthy of the scene right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's probably not as great as you are thinking. <laughs> I, I want it to be like how to get out magical stains or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should be like Presto, guide to Prestidigitation. Yep. Or something very, very simple. Magic with friends. Make a, make a mess. Along those lines. Make a mess or clean it up. Oh my god. <laughs> I like that. Presto, because it's Prestidigitation. Hey. Presto, how to clean up a mess in no time. Yeah, it's just a simple book about a very simple spell, but Zero seemed to have been enjoying it. She left it behind. Because really, it's really deep about Prestidigitation, to be honest. I mean, it's a very complicated spell. You can do so many things with it. Oh, maybe mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. like 101 uses of prestidigitation. Yeah, okay. So when you open it up, you see the title and maybe you flip to the first page and the first use says... Wait, wait. The first thing on the list is create an instantaneous harmless sensory effect such as shower of sparks, a puff of wind, faint musical notes, and or, or an odd odor. Yeah. Okay, so you read that, and then in handwritten note next to it, it says, You can piss someone else's pants. Oh my god. And I think that's a great, like, pull away. A realization that I'm, Yona has this ability, right? Yeah. And I, I she's do. just like, 
I've been I using can, it I as to make every food time. Taste fine, but yeah. I can make someone piss themselves. Well, it says you can actively I mean, soil a material. <laughs> so <laughs> I can make them feel like they pissed themselves, but I cannot, like you know, actually make the bodily function happen. Yeah, but you can <laughs> piss their pants. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is awful. Ter terrible. This is absolutely terrible. Mm -hmm. This is the best use of magic. That's why I'm reading these books, guys. Come on. <laughs> Real I think that the, the, second, the point two second page uh, has has uh, fart sounds written on the margin. <laughs> <laughs> In very good detail so that so it makes it sound very realistic. Oh. Yes. This is the okay. This is definitely going to be the fade off conversation. Oh, we need um, <laughs> we need we definitely need a scene where we're trying to sneak in somewhere. And we're like, oh no, we can't, we can't. Guards there. Press the station. They shit themselves. Do, 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 do. <laughs> okay. I mean, they ain't going to change their. Now I have an idea. I'm gonna write it down. They ain't gonna change their pants right in right in the middle. Of, they gotta go to the bathroom. They would sneak in. Hello, and thanks for sticking around. Our theme song titled A New Hero in Town was created by Kevin McLeod. We use his work a lot throughout our production, so check out Incomputech Music for more. Our ambient tracks for this episode were created by Sword Coast Soundscapes, which you'll find linked in our episode description. In addition, we also have begun working with tracks from Dark Fantasy Studios. Stay safe, and I'll see you soon.